I don't get the win for the liberals here, uh, but I think there's some that are really pushing the envelope. First of all, I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think he's going to do it. I think he'll sense that he should not. And I don't think he'd win even if he did it, because that's the sense I get. The NDP and the conservatives, they like this. They like the chaos and disorder within the Ontario Liberal Party. They like all of it. They love and they loved it in the spring. I heard from them when a Stephen Del Duca platform kind of got mocked a little bit or nobody responded. I'll, I'll bring it up. The, the idea of mandated vaccines like he was pumping this out into the water supply seven months ago and you couldn't find one liberal. You couldn't find one liberal candidate to back him on it. You couldn't. Nobody, nobody was down with this idea. Just the leader. So there was a lot of dysfunction in how they ran their campaign. And I thought, OK, sweep out the bad ideas, sweep out the people maybe with the bad ideas and you start fresh and you got plenty of time to do it. And you got good people that want this job, two at the federal level, two at the provincial level. Nope, not good enough. It's very strange. Let's find out what Sabrina Nanji thinks. Uh, she operates QP Observer and a great place, a great place to get the very latest scoop from Queen's Park. Sabrina, what's your thought on how all this transpired? Shriner's name had been out there for a while, but on Saturday, this letter really started to uh, to get the ball rolling and, and cause some tension and divide within the party. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is kind of like fantasy draft for political nerds gone, you know, on steroids, essentially. But but you kind of laid it out already. You know, what we have is, you know, about 40 longtime liberals, as they call themselves. And these are some, you know, heavyweight names uh, from from the past, you know, liberal ruling days, you know, former Deputy Premier Deb Matthews, Minister Liz Sandals, Greg Sorbera. Uh, so, you know, their, their word goes a, a long way in the party. And, and they want to draft Mike Schreiner, who is already leader of the Green Party. Uh, you know, we in the media tend to like Schreiner a lot because he's um you know a very effective opposition member in the house you know he's always quick with a punchy quote a response when we need it to to you know whatever the ford government is up to um and he punches above his weight and obviously the liberals have been paying attention to this and and there are some in the party that that have written this open letter you know there were rumors we, we were talking about it months ago you mm -hmm. know this buzz about potentially drafting mike schreiner schreiner's been asked about it last year and he said no way but now we've got this stunning flip-flop you know this turn of events where schreiner now says you know give me time to think about it whether i'll i'll cross the floor and, and run for leader of the liberal party because in his view you know this is a serious request it's kind of a unique request of course you know there's there's not much precedent for this because as you said, you know, this has caused a big riff in, in the party itself and among the, the party members. And it's it's a huge, you know, salt in the wound of the potential candidates so far. There's the two big questions. So take time on both. Do you think he would do it? Do you think he will do it? Anybody would do a lot of things. Will he commit to do this? And will he actually win? Look, I think it's it's been interesting to see, you know, the response to this. You know, there are some folks who are pointing out the the actual numbers from the last election. Uh, Abacus Data had a poll towards the end of the campaign last year that put, you know, the positive uh, view of, of Shriner at 18%, which was six points behind Stephen Del Duca. And we all know how the election ended up for Del Duca. And so, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that Shriner's not good at what he does. He's obviously very effective. Um, 
um, as a green and as the sole green, he's been able to grow that party. Um, is he, you know, the, the savior, some of these liberals are, are pointing him out to be, I'm not sure. So I, I don't know if, you know, he does do it, if he'd be successful, but it's a huge long shot that he would actually do this. I mean, mm-hmm. there would be so many questions about what do you stand for? How can we trust you? You know, what's the future of the liberal party going to look like? Because while they may be aligned on some policies, they are very, um, you know, far apart in other stances. And so I think this has just kind of been a whole can of worms and, at the very least, it's an ego boost for Mike Schreiner. Well, and there's so many policies. I mean, he's on record. Previous Ontario Greens have been record. I'll give you an example of policies that all of a sudden, it, it, does it mean he doesn't feel this way anymore? Or is this something the liberals have to have to uh, go along to get along with? It's wiping out um, the separate schools. The Green, Party's ran, the Green Party ran in 2018 saying they would move out the system. They would abolish uh, the idea of, of a denominational school system. So does this mean now that he was true to his word and wants to? Like, there's just, there's so much grist for the mill for the conservatives and the NDP to say, well, you said this four years ago. Was that your was that your belief or principle or was it not? You're right. There would just be this onslaught of all these tough questions, yes. you know, not only about what the liberals stand for, which is something that they struggled with in the last couple of elections, but also, you know, who is Mike Schreiner and what he's going to do for the party. And so I think for the public, they might just be seeing this as a lot of internal fighting. Uh, you know, where's your focus on the rest of Ontario? And, you know, are you actually going to be viable in the next election to be able to present yourself as, you know, a premier in waiting? I'm not sure. So, um, you know, bad day for the Liberals and a very good day for Ford and the PCs and also Marit Stiles and the NDP, because don't forget, she's coming in as official opposition leader just on this weekend. Um, and, and, you know, she's kind of positioning herself now as, you know, the the premier in waiting because the other two opposition parties we have at Queen's Park are kind of going through mm-hmm. these um internal machinations. Nate Erskine-Smith was on the show yesterday. I want to play this for you and for the audience, Sabrina, and let you react to it. Here's what he said about this potential process with the Liberals and this letter. I don't want to be entirely dismissive of the contents of the letter wholesale. The letter called for purpose and principle in our politics, working across party lines, doing politics differently. I agree with all of that. I just happen to think there are many Liberals in the province of Ontario who can deliver on, on those same ideas. Yeah. And it's easy to say, um, you know, I I get the idea that the current liberal MPPs would think we're a little bit insulted by this. The potential candidates would be insulted if somebody who'd never done what you've done, Sabrina, says, well, I can be Sabrina Nanji better than Sabrina Nanji or Greg Brady. I have no experience. We we would (laughs) we would take that to heart a little bit. People are in politics are going to be super competitive about this stuff. So no wonder their their backs are up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I have a text from, you know, a senior grit operative. I won't name names, but I, I have it in front of me now. You know, they say that this letter is is humiliating for the party, full stop. We've, you know, it's beyond embarrassing for Ted Shu and Mitzi Hunter because yes. one of their caucus mates, Lucille Coyard, has, has signed the letter. Also, Yasser Nakvi and Nate Erskine Smith, who we just heard, you know, they, they these are folks that that worked with these these uh, potential candidates in government. And they're saying that they're not good enough. You know, no one's denying that the liberal party needs to take a hard look at itself if they want to be competitive, uh, in Ontario, because we've seen what the the message Ontarians have sent the party in the last two elections, just completely decimating them. And so, you know, the party really needs to do some soul searching. Um, and I think this is, it has further divided, um, the lines uh, within the party itself. And I think, you know, they've got a lot of ground to make up now 
um, because we've got the complete opposite happening on the NDP side, you know, their, their, their competition on the opposition side of the house where the NDP is completely united now behind this, this one leader. And whereas we were all saying, you know, this might be indicative of the NDP not having, you know, much excitement or engagement around it since no one else is running for their leader, but you know, at least they're not really dealing with this very divisive drama that the liberals have going on. No, all of this, just even our conversation is is great news um, for Marit Stiles right now, who, by the way, I mean, look, the conservatives p- punched out at that saying, ha, looks like nobody wants the job. She doesn't care about that. Um, what she cares about is not ceding seats to the liberals at this point in time. And Sabrina, you know the game as well as I do, and you know the math as well as I do. I know it looks pretty ominous. While the conservatives have 83 seats, the NDP has 31. You need four or five out of 100 conservative votes and seven or eight of the liberal votes. And and presto, you're going to start to win ridings because it's first past the poll. It, it's not as ominous as it looks for the NDP or the it's ominous for the liberals to go from eight to 70. They can't do that in one election, but you could get to eight to 30 and you could get from 30 to 55. You're like you've got to build back up. Yeah. And, and, you know, Styles can just focus all of her energy on that right now. She she has been building up her profile because she hasn't had to worry about the usual, um, you know, the first race with a leadership race. She's already won that. And so, you know, I actually spoke to her uh, this week ahead of, you know, her getting acclaimed on the weekend. And she told me that, you know, for now, the, the focus has been on going after Doug Ford. And you're right, they're going to have to um, you know, not only steal seats from the conservatives if they want to make up some ground here, especially, you know, what they lost last year, they'll have to hang on to the seats that they took from the liberals back in 2018. And if the liberals are in shambles, as as we are seeing right now, you know, 2026 is still a long way out. But if the liberals continue on this path, um, it's going to make the job very easy for Styles, but also for Ford to, to you know, hang on to power. So I, I we have about 15 seconds. I'm saying he's not going to do it. I feel like you're leaning that way. Can I get you to say you agree with me you know i'll never say never you know stranger things have happened uh but if it does happen i mean i'll be here for the the you know the fireworks that are gonna oh, we come. know that oh uh, you yeah you who doesn't like fireworks uh politics without fireworks is like uh it's peanut butter without jam it's great having you on thanks so much uh i want to point people to uh, qp observer nobody brings you a better scoop and nobody gets stuff faster and quicker than sabrina does and more accurately as well uh qp observer go find it on substack thank you so much for the time today thanks greg sabrina nanji joining us i mean i'm telling you like some of these names i don't want to Nobody wants to going into politics is really hard work. It's harder than ever. But I look and I'm I'm like, okay, there's Lynn McLeod. She's like 82 in a couple of months. I'm like, fantastic. But but your time as an influencer, if you will, with this party, when she, when she was the uh, liberal leader, nobody used the word influencer. That's how long ago it's been. Um, but what's what's your impact within the party now? I don't get it. Kate Graham um, seems lovely. Okay, seems lovely finished with 13 percent. She ran for leadership against Stephen Del Duca in 2020. She got 13% of the vote. Great. She's tried to be London North Center MPP a couple times. She's finished third both times. I'm from London. Liberals get elected in London with a snap of a finger. So so <laughs> what is the influence of Kate Graham? 20% in 2022, up from a, a whopping 15%. Like when when the liberals are only coming out and voting for you, when the voters are coming out and voting for a liberal candidate in London at 15 percent, one out of every seven. Oh, I don't know that you should be influential at all as to who the next leader is. Okay, 
We got bad ideas. We got people that can't get elected and we should listen to them and they'll tell you what the party should do next. That's music to the NDP's ears. I'm telling you, it's an orchestra for the new Democrats to move forward with Mike Schreiner. Don't believe me? Just watch.